Hello and welcome to the IFSEC Insider Security in Focus podcasts, where we bring you exclusive interviews with leading figures in the physical security industry to get to the heart of the profession. Welcome to episode 15 of the IFSEC Insider podcast with your host, James Moore. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be talking about smart buildings and what security's role looks like within them. I know what you're thinking. There's that word smart again, um, and I'm inclined to agree. It's a word that has been used to describe everything from washing machines through to highly sophisticated and fully automated building ecosystems and even smart cities. But what shouldn't be questioned, as we'll hear from today's speakers, is that physical security and the data collected by video and access systems have a central role to play in such an ecosystem. Today's episode asks several questions. What do we mean by a truly smart building? How can security directors and managers make sure they and the assets they manage value is understood? And for those working in new developments and projects, How do they make sure that the right security systems are built in at an early stage to function with a smart building? I'll introduce the speakers shortly, but first though, as always, I'll hand over to Rihanna Sexton for the latest news in the security sector. Thanks, James. Hi, everyone. I'm Rihanna, and this is the latest news from IFSEC Insider. First up, British Museum thefts put a spotlight on the insider threat to security following the revelation that close to 2,000 artefacts have been stolen from the British Museum by a serving member of staff. Some of the artefacts reportedly date back to more than two millennia and include gold jewellery and gems. While values for the items are thought to be worth millions of pounds, commentators have also pointed to the long-term reputational damage to one of the UK's largest tourist attractions. An independent security review has been set up to be led by Nigel Boardman, a former trustee of the museum, and Lucy Diorsi, the chief constable of the British Transport Police. The review is expected to make recommendations on future security arrangements. Also in the news, Tesco's chief executive, Ken Murphy, has announced that staff are to be offered body cams after abuse rose by a third in the last year. Murphy said those responsible are small in number but have a disproportionate impact. He added that staff deserve to be safe at work. Findings by the British Retail Consortium, published earlier this year, found abuse against retail staff had almost doubled to 850 incidents a day, up from around 450 a day pre-COVID. Incidents include racial and sexual abuse, physical assault and threats with weapons. Murphy said he hopes the body-worn cameras will deter offenders. Back to today's episodes. Uh, First up, we hear from Darren Chalmers-Stevens and Kevin Brownell, uh, non-executive director and director, respectively, at smart consultancy firm NewXform. The two's background is very much rooted in physical security, uh, and those regular listeners might even notice that Darren was also a guest on episode eight, uh, where he spoke about healthcare security. So they make for two perfect guests on this topic for us. Both explain how they view the smart debate and offer their advice on how and why physical security professionals can make their voices heard on the matter. Later on, we've also got a short interview with Mike Bruman, CEO at Vanti. As a self-described master systems integrator, Mike and his team represent the technical side of a smart building process. He too gives his perspective on what smart means and highlights why a digital transformation strategy, another popular term, isn't just about the technology, but also about the people who are involved as well. 
again, a constant theme of the If Sec Insider podcast comes up throughout this episode. It's all about collaboration and communication. Anyway, let's kick off first with Kevin, giving some background to his experience and what New X Form is all about. Ideally, New X Form stands for something new and X is in transform. So that kind of sums up our approach uh, to business. Um, we are a technology-focused consultancy practice. And our area of kind of expertise is on smart buildings and security. We come at it for, as practitioners in the security world. And we took the leap into smart buildings maybe six or seven years ago as individuals, probably much longer, actually, Darren, if we think about it. And, and so, we, you know, we kind of work across a large sector, legal, uh, financial, uh, corporate um, and higher education. So there are kind of key markets, really. Darren, this is your uh, second time on the podcast, actually. Um, so thanks. Thanks for coming back. Uh, first guest to come back come back again. Um, do, you, do you want to just give a brief background to yourself and, and how you work with, with Kevin? Sure. So uh, thank you for having us back. Um, so from my point of view, I've had over 25 years now in the security and IT sectors. Different roles. I think I've played all roles now. I've been on the, uh, the customer side, a bit of a security manager, uh, looking after um, security operations in banks and in software technology companies through into consultancy and then in the latter part of my career so far it's been in the manufacturing so uh, yeah, 25 plus years in IT and security and in terms of the new X-Form business so I'm a, a non-executive director of the business effectively so I'm supporting Kevin and the rest of the team with uh, this uh, really exciting venture that we have in terms of transforming the market. Fantastic. And I know you guys, well, Kevin, you're based in the UK, but it's not just the UK, is it? You've got projects kind of going on globally. Yeah, it, it, it is a kind of global outreach, uh, James. And interestingly, the UK is quite well advanced in the world of smart. There are other parts of the world you may think are in some areas they are. But we, what I think is important is we're able to kind of capture that global view and apply it when necessary, that kind of global outlook on, on how kind of technology is impacting our workplaces, etc. is kind of quite important for us. Yeah, it feels like this conversation around smart spaces and around how physical security in particular fits into that is 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 a global conversation. I don't think it's it's distinct or unique to, to the UK or to the US. It's 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 going on everywhere in, in different ways. I guess to set some context for for the background of this conversation, the word smart obviously gets thrown around quite a lot. It's um it's difficult to define at times. I think so. What for you? You know, what do we mean by smart? What makes for a, for a smart facility or a building? In essence, in, in basic form, it's a user-centric, tech-savvy building. I mean, that's the JetGPT version. And actually, I think it sums it up quite well. For us, it's I kind of go about people, about space and technology, and connecting these three elements together. Ideally, kind of for an optimised uh, use of resources while delivering improved user experience benefits. And I should add in a secure uh, and safe environment because that's really important. I know that we'll touch on that a bit later on. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I, I've, I've spoken to uh, guys that James Willison and Saab Sambi talk about um, from from the IoT Security Foundation. It's 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 not it's not smart if it's not secure. Um, yeah. is, is that something you'd agree with, Darren? Is, is would you add anything to that definition? No, I think absolutely spot on. I think yes, smart and secure campus uh, or building of the future is really where we see that convergence coming into play. Um, IT, estate, security, all collaborating to create that environment, um, which Kevin sort of um, alluded to and, and described perfectly around the user experience. 
Like that's really where we've got to try and compel people to think about um, what is the experience of the user and making that as frictionless as possible when they enter a building, when they uh, engage with services, whether that's digital services or physical services. We need to make that as frictionless as possible and as pleasurable as possible so that people enjoy their space and they feel safe in that environment. Yeah, it's it's something we um we touched upon in, in, in some of our trend reports actually in, in recent years. It's 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 become especially within access control, for example. Security is the prime reason for having an access control system. Obviously, you know, if if everything could be open door, then then great, but that's 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 not realistic. Think think people have got property and places and people to protect. But you're, I think the, the technology is such now that I guess you're beginning to allow for a level of convenience that you've not been you've not seen before. Even if it was just you think about moving away from from mechanical keys to digital locks where people can just swipe their smart card or now seeing people swipe their mobile phone. And I guess is is is, is that next step in smart is, is evolving that to, to move beyond just getting into and out of a building. It's um it's doing so much more. I guess really it's about bringing together those different systems, James. You know, access control is one example, but if we look at the experience in a building, if we let's, let's paint a journey. So I drive up to a barrier. The barrier recognises my number plate and says, OK, that's Darren Charm Stevens. And it lets me through there. It basically notifies the building control systems of BMS that I'm coming in, cross-references my office. It can uh, set the temperature in my office to a specific temperature that I, you know, obviously is pleasurable for my, my operation. It, it can do a whole bunch of things as a result of that through using workflows. So you can maybe notify staff members that you've arrived. And you start to look at how technology can be again a uh, improve the experience of a user as they want wander into a building and they engage with its services uh, it could be that you don't have an office and you're actually hot desking and it can actually say to you, you know, the hot desk are available on the 16th 12th and 11th for today so you haven't got to waste time wandering around the building trying to find uh, a space to operate so again it's starting to look at the convenience factor of bringing together these different technologies that we traditionally let's be honest are fairly standalone whether that's IT and building management or building management and security, you know, the two do talk, but the systems don't necessarily. So it's starting to bring those different systems together and, and making it more of a convenient experience for the user. The byproduct of that is things like sustainability is a huge benefit for any organization. If you start to understand patterns in the building, which floors are being used, you can be directing people to floors where you want to try and conserve but also concentrate effort. So let's say, for example, you've got a 16-storey building and you've only got 150 people in the building today. In the traditional world, you maybe have 150 people spread across 16 floors. In this more smart building concept of having hot desks and environments that are more collaborative, it may be that you can actually have three or four floors powered down and actually look to have a more sustainable operation. So starting to look at use cases like that, that help us drive tangible outcomes related to what smart really is so long-winded answer to the question i think that the challenge is there in, in its own right in terms of what is smart smart is many different things many different people but for us it's about creating those tangible outcomes that can improve the experience of the operators the users and also be sustainable for the organization yeah and, and i think just to, to sum it up and darren's ever used this phrase many times but smart stands for simply making a real transformation very high level as long as it's doing that it's it's achieving its goal yeah we, we've talked a little bit about the, the different roles so you got you know it getting involved and 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 security have to be part of that 
what what is what's your perception of of where security you know security personnel security managers security directors are currently where where are they currently positioned in the smart space and and what role do you see security systems and personnel have in in achieving more intelligent buildings so i, I think security is still an, a supporting role rather than a leading role in the world of smart i think i think that's the honest statement i say that as a security practitioner i think because we've got um traditional systems sitting in silos isolated as darren mentioned earlier on um, and that's silos of systems and silos of data more importantly and data i think is the key theme here which i'll come to in a second but um i think innovation is not a phrase we often use in the world of security and one of the kind of key reasons why i moved into the world of smart buildings a few years back is i wasn't seeing the level of change happening within security as i am within the smart world um, and that's for various reasons some of them really good about regulations and uh, but other is it's just about thinking why why couldn't uh, security be more or innovative. Um, and I see security is still seen as a kind of a, a cost rather than a benefit in the eyes of many within an organization. I know that's an old fashioned phrase, but actually it's it's still there, I think. Um, so there's, a, in my mind, a golden opportunity here um, for for security to take over the ownership of smart. And I think, I think as I mentioned earlier on, data is absolutely key to this. So we, we, we've talked about these siloed systems and siloed data, but in, in a new world, that data that comes particularly from security systems is so much more valuable because if we break down those silos and, and allow systems to talk to each other, but more importantly, allow the data to flow between between all these systems, um, the security have got have got you know the platform for smart effectively under their remit. But I think the challenges are around security is that um, how do we make that obvious? So how do we surface that that insightful data? Um, I think the golden golden age for security is where we're at. I absolutely and honestly believe that. So it's a really important discussion, I think. Um, I think for me, um, just to sort of uh, add to what Kevin's articulated there. So one of the largest stakeholders for smart, when you look at a building or a campus, is security. Just by the sheer number of systems that they've got deployed across an estate, you know, often having hundreds, if not thousands of sensors, that are either smart enabled and have already been activated or are yet to be activated. And um, what we have for the first time though is security coming to the table and offering a really compelling business case for an organization to consider things like upgrading their network. So if we've got access points, for example, across an organization, and uh, there's a great um, solution out there, Juniper Networks, uh, they have these brand new access points that have uh, virtual beacons within them. And virtual beacons mean that we can position uh, within a building and have a like, vertical building indoor positioning capability. So you can see within a building effectively from systems perspective. So if an alert goes off, you know, it's on a specific floor, a specific room of a specific area. That is a valuable um, um, capability, but it gets empowered further by adding security and safety as sort of part of the business case. When they go into the executive team and say, well, we want to upgrade the network. Um, there are many different reasons why a team may want to upgrade the network. It could be for the bandwidth. It could be for the user experience. People expect really high quality bandwidth now within buildings so that you, know, you have a good experience. Uh, for uh, video calling and for, for other services they may render on the cloud. But actually, the business case for spending millions of dollars of upgrading the network can be furthered by enhancing safety and security. And if organizations can tap into that, so security directors can be consulting with their estates director, with their IT director, and saying that, hey, 
if you're thinking about upgrading the network, why don't we build a joint business case where I can bring all these sensors and systems into play and we can create a smart building leveraging this infrastructure that enhances the safety of our community alongside any other objectives that the IT director may have. For example, he or she may be thinking about room booking services or integrating the building management system for sustainability and efficiencies. You're starting to have security as a equal partner at the table as opposed to an afterthought, which is currently what happens a lot of the time. Yeah, so much of this is about how a security personnel i suppose are able to approach are able to sort of understand what the the benefits this can give them and then articulate Mm. that to um to whoever they need to uh whether it be to get more to get more budget or to have more of this this sort of seat at the table in in these discussions kevin is there any advice you you can offer you know i I, I imagine there might be some security managers and directors sitting here um, listening to this podcast uh, nodding their head along and thinking this this all sounds great but I can't, I can't, you know, how how do I kind of approach this subject uh, internally? If if, I, if if we're the ones who are going to drive this, you know, how do we approach this? How do we how do we speak to to the C-suite um, and, and make them really, really see the, the benefits of this? So it's, it's a really interesting question, this. And I'm a, a massive fan of ROI because it's one of the defining factors of smart. It makes it tangible and real unless it's delivering a valued return, either by experience or financial saving, then it's not really delivering on its true goals. Um, so I think that security leaders have, uh, as I said earlier, on a massive opportunity here to to take control of this uh, situation, as in data is the key. So m- my mind is, if we look at where we're at at the moment, we're, we're looking at these siloed systems of data and, system, uh, and we talked about earlier on. But um, in order, the, the future world is about sharing data. Uh, and we're seeing at the moment, we're, we're looking at chat GPT, et cetera, in a way that that's transformed our lives, a milestone moment, I would suggest. So in the same way, this is an opportunity for us to share data in this, uh, with a security platform, in a sense that we've got, um, you know, the, all of these systems that traditionally were locked down, need to know basis. And coming from that into a world where we share all of this openly into large language models, for example, whereby well, that's a massive leap for most security personnel saying, this is my secure environment, and even on isolated networks in, in some instances. We've kind of gone the route of converged networks a little bit more now, but the data still remains locked away. But why is that the case? In order to move this forward, I think we need to take the approach that ChatGPT and others have taken in terms of this large language models, as I said, of a big um, kind of database of security information that can be shared. So going away from APIs for system connectivity, APIs into large language models, in sharing this big data. Now that there is is the, the moment, I think, the tipping point for security leaders, because now they have all of this massive uh, insight that they can do great deal more with it, as it were. Uh, imagine just using a, a kind of a, you know, ask lady in a box to do X and Y for you. If you imagine that on an, an enterprise scale, you can, you know, reports that used to take a, a few days to run can now be done in a matter of instant and real time. So it's a massive change, but it's a big mindset change for most leaders in security. But I think it's a necessary one. I think without it, um, security stands the chance of being diluted in its in its identity, I think, in, in the building kind of makeup, as it were. So I think it's really important that uh, security leaders do embrace this new future. And we're not talking about today or tomorrow, but it's not that far away, to be honest. Um, so I think that, you know, that ability to show return by offering that huge extra value to be gained from this 
new approach. I think it would be my suggestion. That's the key area. And it needs new relationships, of course, uh, within an organisation to achieve that. But that, to me, would be where I would be focusing. I suppose it's the next step. You know, we've, I guess we've moved from uh, propri- relatively proprietary systems to open source systems within security itself. As you say, moving on to sort of converged networks now, but the next step is, is opening that up even more. Now, without getting overly technical here, how easy is it to make this data talk to each other? You know, I'm sure there'll be systems integrators out there who, who know exactly what they're doing on this, but this might sort of be another step that, that you know, security managers might not be have the technicality expertise or, or experience to deal with. What, what are we talking about here? What's, what's the kind of process of making that happen? I think that the key here is about relationships. So the security security director, security manager, Callan needs to be making friends with the wider community. I mean, the world of smart have already solved many of these challenges already. Sharing of data is is the standard way of, of approaching a smart building project. Security is not, you know, it's kind of gets involved in it, but a little bit late in, in the day. So if you're able to get involved much earlier and create those kind of new friends in IT, new friends in other parts of the business, you can really kind of move things forward. So yeah, it's about it's about relationships. It's about um, you know getting that position, as it were, around that around the table. And Darren, from some of the projects that you've worked on so far, and for Nurex Form, but 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 maybe elsewhere, how are you seeing these conversations? Are you are you witnessing these conversations happening? Um, mm-hmm. Any advice or feedback that you've you've seen that that has worked in the past? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first thing is there are a lot of security directors and managers and she also IT, uh, CIOs, estates directors that are either thinking about SMART or have taken their first steps towards SMART and they've hit some initial barriers. First one is around that interoperability of systems. They get in big organisations and I won't name a specific brand, um, but you've got organisations coming in saying, like, rip and replace everything. We can make everything talk to each other. We'll give you a smart building, a sustainable building. Two big flaws with that. Firstly, you've got a lock in scenario. So for the rest of your life, you might as well write an open check to that organisation because whatever you want to do, whatever you want to integrate, you're going to have to go back to them and pay them for that privilege. And the second part to that is that it stifles innovation. So you're solely dependent on that organization innovating and adding more capability. What we're seeing is a desire, and this is where so I guess the smart consultancy piece comes in, is to really look at middleware and look at operations where you can take what a customer already has, take the good bits. You know, there may be some elements that are just too old that you can't bring it into play, but actually there's a lot of good investment that's been made that can be leveraged into a middleware platform that gives customers smart today the really important part, anything to do with convergence, is about future proofing to make sure that as technology evolves, you know, Kevin's already mentioned ChatGBT as a you know, massive groundbreaking, um, I guess, game changing technology that's coming to the sector, there will be more. And if you go down the single vendor route, you end up with a lock in, you can't take advantage of any of those technologies. Whereas having an open architecture, a middleware platform that you can actually leverage to take advantage of what you have today, but also future proof you of the future is a key consideration that we're seeing with a lot of these organizations. And you know, we're hesitant to necessarily take this big step because whatever way we go, we obviously we're not sure what the income the um the the potential uh, hazards are of either option and they're looking for sort of a trusted advisor to come in with that expertise and say well what are the pros what are the cons can you not only guide us in you know initially writing that vision 
taking that vision then through to what use cases uh, that we can actually create as an organization to actually show tangible ROI. And then really once we've got the initial deployment done, how do we then look at optimizing this? Because smart is never done. Uh, you're building your, your business continually changes in terms of the needs, the, the continued changes in terms of use cases will continue to evolve. And really where we're seeing a lot of desire is someone looking for more like a trusted advisor role. So this is quite a different engagement with the market. You know, traditionally you'd have consultants come in, write a specification, maybe get involved with the procurement process and then they jump, they move on to the next project. We're seeing more customers sound like this is a big uh, effort. We don't necessarily have the resources internally. Can you help guide us through this as an independent agnostic consultant and come in and give us the trusted advice and be our partner through this so we can achieve SMART? And I think the actual achieving SMART and optimising SMART is the ultimate goal that a lot of organisations have failed to achieve so far. Most have started a journey, maybe got out and bought two or three different systems, tried to glue them together, have fallen at the first hurdle, and then given up. Too hard bucket. Um, so I think for us, it's really about trying to help organisations realise, start with simple use cases, you know, guide them through achieving those use cases, optimising those, and continuing to evolve with that organisation. Yeah, it's it's an interesting point. It, it's it's all well and good having all you know these new brand new systems in, or or, or systems that, that that have got all these capabilities. But if you don't know how to use them and how to you know, it's it's the same thing as having all of this data, but not really knowing what to do with it. It's it's that that's the that's the path, that's where the power is, I suppose, of, of knowing how to use that data as opposed to just having it in the first place. Um, you've obviously got to have one about the other. I, I kind of. Sort of was liking it a little bit there to you know say you're kind of starting out in in a in a new kind of uh, on a new hobby say say you you want to get into DJing or something like that and you're giving this massive turntable and you you've got all of these you know gizmos and budgets and, and buttons sorry that you don't know what to do with and you kind of go I don't really know what I'm doing here and just sort of leave it alone whereas if you had someone just talk you through the process explain everything explain what each one did then it, it's likely to have to reap much more rewards afterwards maybe a slightly left field analogy in my head there but um it seemed to work for me i love that james yeah, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> i've been thinking here a lot a lot about sort of refurbishment or buildings that have been you know in in the process of looking to upgrade their systems quite a lot um you know security managers who have been in their roles for for a little bit of time and understand the building and want to go that next step we go back several stages here into the kind of starting point of a construction project maybe to you know in the development of new buildings and by that I mean sort of I'm talking more commercial public sector space rather than the residential obviously I'm not, I'm not talking necessarily about um, two-bed houses and things like this uh, are building those smart systems into the building design are they building these smart systems in, into the into their building designs from day one it, it seems like it, it, it's a no-brainer at this stage but is that happening um, and is security part of that process? You know, I would say that most projects we get involved with, and you would say, well, of course, because you're smart building consultants, have a smart element to them. But it is a regular feature now. I wouldn't say that, it's, that we're, we're uh, distant relationships in this new world. I'd say that smart is, is almost BAU, I would say. Um, the, the, th the thing about it is, I guess, is that we you know, people like ourselves are not, are not engaged early enough. Um, and if we look at the REBA stages of work, um, typically we might be appointed at stage three. It's not always the case. Unfortunately, we're, we're, we're employed much earlier. But I think where we have most to offer is where we're engaged really early on the project, almost the same time as the architect, where the client talks about their visions and aspirations for the building. 
And, and technology needs to be at that top table in order to be as effective as possible. Um, so I think, yes, we're seeing it uh, as business as usual. We're seeing security as part of that, but security generally um, seems to be a separate strand. And really, of course, it should be a fully integrated um, strand as is smart smart buildings. So almost a part of it. So I think that there's, there will be the work to do around that. The deployment of, 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 of design is still fairly traditional. Um, and, and there's another REBA stage plan of work being developed for SMART in itself. So um, SMART doesn't always fit well with all of the stages. It has a, a, a very disruptive element of it or can be. So you need to do it early, need to define it, package it, make it real. And, and security is very much in a similar way. Um, it responds to security needs of the building uh, and the client, um, obviously, but it, it needs to be more integrated, as I would say generally about almost systems. They need to be much closer aligned earlier on. And there, I guess you, you, you mentioned you're being brought in, in on sort of stage three. Um, is, is, are you seeing that there's bit like, you know, that this vision that might be initially in the kind of plans and the projects um, at stage one kind of disappear a little bit as you kind of get involved and you kind of like, well, this this hasn't been built in, so it's going to be difficult to integrate this or it's going to be difficult to to, to, to really make this as smart as you wanted it. And and is there a reason for maybe that cut? Is it purely cost that these these things maybe get cut out um, at, at the earlier stages? So I think that by the time we do get to stage three, everyone's got a view of what the building should look and feel like, right? Um, and, and there'll be a number of different views around smart as to what that, that will look like. So, so if we are employed a little bit late, then we've got to, I call it the Reba River, we've got to swim back upstream to understand what the true source is. And that takes a bit of time, a bit of friction. And we almost take the client through the same questions that the architect would have gone through. Give me the vision of your new your new workplace. Tell me about your culture. All of those kind of things are relevant to the way we would approach a smart building. So it's better that we're involved you know, as a partner, as it were, alongside the architectural team very early on in order to start delivering these projects. So that's part of the challenge for sure. I think there's a difference between new build and retrospective uh, approach to you know, an existing infrastructure. So uh, a traditional NHS estate or a university, for argument's sake, yeah, some of those locations, um, they're having to look at things like sustainability. How do they make these big estates that maybe built in the 60s and 70s that weren't necessarily as efficient as they could be? Um, sustainable and you know, there's not necessarily the cash available to knock and re, uh, knock them down and rebuild. So there is a desire to come back in and actually look at um, you know, a smart facilitating bringing together the different systems that are already in place and then looking at the use cases around uh, building usage, you know, hot desking, um, utilising some of the sensors within buildings for people counting to understand patterns of usage. That's a slightly more tricky scenario sometimes, the retrospective one, because there's already systems in place and it's about, again, guiding a customer through getting to the table, bringing the different stakeholders together, the IT, the estates director, and maybe the, some of the users, understand the user experience. We, we know, for example, in universities that you know, more and more organisations around the world went online during COVID and they're having to try and entice people to come back now, uh, come back onto the campus, come back into the building. And actually the drivers for that are going to be the experience that someone can have. You know, if you can get the same degree without the cost 
uh, and work from home uh, and the study online, the real compelling part is the facility and the academics that are there that are going to teach you. So trying to create an environment where A, it's the experience, but B, alliance to sustainability um, is a, you know, again, a tricky um, balancing act for us to have when we go into a retrospective environment where they're trying to upgrade an existing hospital or, or university campus where the buildings have been around for a while and the systems have been in for a while. Are there, mis- I'm thinking, are there misconceptions around making something a smart building? You know, are there the, the people, when you first have that initial conversation with, with the estates manager, with the security manager, whoever it might be, they, they want something that isn't actually necessarily possible with the systems they've got in place or it's not realistic um, unless they have a, a a vast injection of cash, which we, we all know is, is, is difficult to come by at the moment, especially if we're talking NHS, um, hospital education sector. It, it, and what what is maybe the biggest misconception that there is? Is it just the the, the, the what they expect out of it is just isn't always realistic, or, or or actually is it that they they underestimate what what they might be able to get? So so I I would say exactly that, James. That the biggest misconception is that it, it's difficult to get get these systems connected, and that it involves spending lots of money, and that smart actually is a cost. Well, the, the true true value here is that actually back to Darren's point earlier on middleware is an opportunity for us to extract existing data that, it, that exists in these systems that we may or may not be aware of. So like a data audit of the systems would expose that information. And there's a lot of huge valuable insight in building systems that we can make use of um, that we're not perhaps immediately aware of. So it's not all about investing in new, it's about making best use of what you have first off. And it, you know some lateral thinking here might be, for example, from uh, you know, presence detection from lighting systems might help you understand how the building is being used. Well, that's a standard default position. You've got that already in the building. Generally, these days, a smart building, smart lighting system is going to give you at least some data. If not headcounts, it's going to give you an indication. So there are all sorts of examples from existing. Um, and look at the world of how smart has approached this from a security point of view to break down those uh, individual elements to give you connectivity and therefore uh, an outcome you weren't perhaps expecting. I think it's just the understanding of each other's perspectives. So the security manager understanding what IT uh, team are trying to get out of smart, the, uh, the IT department understanding what the state's department are trying to get out of smart and where the opportunities are for synergies and collaboration. And I think if you look at, for example, a, I mentioned this earlier on, you know, a smart infrastructure, a smart network, so many things can hang off of that if you're aware that that's a strategy that the CIO is looking to implement. And we need to encourage IT security estates to be at the same table when they're creating that vision of smart, not being constrained by looking at what does smart mean for security? It's what smart means for our community together, as opposed to my department. And what data, what systems, what use cases do I have? Laying them out. IT do the same, estates do the same, and look for where the opportunities are. There may be some low-hanging fruit that we can do things really quickly and get a return on investment uh, that fulfills two or three of the different um, use cases that those two or three different departments are looking to achieve. What we typically see at the moment is the estates director and the CIO are are talking, and the security manager or director is not even at the table. Um, This is a a common thread that we see, and we're, we're keen to support them. Sometimes that's because they may not feel confident to be having the discussion with the CIO or with the estates director about 
you know, what their vision of smart is. And again, that's where we sort of come in and we, a lot of our team go in and support them with creating that vision. So they can clearly articulate what kind of things they're trying to achieve with smart, whether that is conjoining systems for, you know, a hardened security, whether that's through to the experience that a user has when they wander through the reception all the way through to their desk. Yeah, how does security play its part in that journey when someone experiences the building? To summarize, guys, um, and Darren, I'll start with you. Imagine I'm a security director sitting in front of you right now. Um, what is the number one reason, um, your, your elevator pitch, I suppose, um, you would argue for investing in a more smart and connected uh, building or environment? So I'm going to sort of focus on the user experience. I think with more and more workers you know, working from home, that hybrid culture that's existed, organisations are trying to drive people back into the offices so they have that collaborative environment. If you have a safe and secure and smart environment, you're going to entice people back into experience something different and actually be able to have a frictionless environment. It's pleasurable to go to work in an environment where they, they can collaborate and get the best out of people. That, that for me, is where we can get the biggest return in terms of smart. Fantastic. And, and Kevin? So mine's going to be a shorter response, and forgive me for this, but um, I, I, for me, silos stands for someone is losing out. Right there, that's it. Why wouldn't you do it? Because, you know, you can't continue in a way that the, the current model doesn't work. So you absolutely have to take this leap um, going forward because, you know, demand is that we have a more efficient, more uh, optimized environment that costs less to run and for better experiences. This isn't going to happen with the way that things are set up right now. So I think that, you know, we need to start that process. And it's not even a discussion really in my mind. It's just how we go about it. Perfect. Thank you so much both. Um, really, really interesting, really insightful. I think, um, it's as, you, as I say, it's, it's a conversation that's happening globally. It's a conversation that's happening across sectors. Um, you, we're, we're looking at dif different job roles having having all, all coming together for this that may not previously have been expected to come together, whether it be sustainability, you know, directors and managers. And, you know, when, when did we think the sustainability manager would speak directly to a security manager 10, 15, 20 years ago? A lot of people would, you know, put people in those jobs who weren't maybe looking looking too far to the future would not have thought that would have that would have happened. Um, so I, I think it's, um, and we're 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 sort of there now. It's, it's impossible to ignore. Um, every organisation, every business has a sustainability directive in some in some way, and that's just part of this whole smart building process. As as you guys have, have alluded to, there's 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 several others that um that go with this. So. Perfect. I think that um, security security managers, directors probably have a new role. I think their title should be more along the lines of head of experience because that's ultimately what we're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's not just security, but it's convenience as well now. Um, and as you say, it's that part of that user experience coming back to the office, as you say, Darren. Hello, listeners. I just wanted to point you in the direction of our latest trend report. Anyone interested in the world of physical access control will no doubt find the report fascinating. We explore key technology trends such as mobile access, as well as covering security professionals' perspectives on cybersecurity regulations, sustainability and cloud-based access control. Just head to IFSEC Insider and click the download section in the navigation bar or follow the link in the episode description to read today. Welcome back and a huge thanks to Kevin and Darren for joining me. 
Uh, lots of great insight in there. And it's clear to me, listening to that, that security should be considered as an integrated strand of the development of an inter intelligent building. Now, to finish this episode off, as I said earlier, we'll also hear from Mike Bruman, CEO of Vanti. Uh, speaking to us at this year's IFSEC in May in front of the Smart Building Immersive Experience feature, Mike explains why integration is more important than ever to organizations, building owners and operators, and why connected data points can provide tangible insight to enable spaces that are high performing, more sustainable and ultimately more secure. Vanti works through the full building or fit out life cycle. So we'll typically start with design teams, uh, looking at all of the different um, functions and features that people want to get out of a, a building or a space. So we're huge advocates for beginning with the end in mind. Yep. We'll work with the design team, do all the coordination through that process, and then typically innovate across into main contractor or fit out contractor land. We'll actually work with those teams, do the install, mm -hmm. and then typically we'll come back client side or into the building operator uh, to actually look after the facility on an ongoing basis. So we work very closely with FMs to really run their facilities and look after all the technology within it. Yep. Now, just over our shoulders here, we're seeing a very impressive, uh, I, want to, I want to say dashboard, but this would be like the biggest vehicle in the world here. Uh, <laughs> kind of a, a control center display here. Yep. And this is bringing together all of these different bits of data that you would get in a smart building and presenting them in a, in a really neat kind of way that hopefully, I guess would enable people to make that's, uh, Yeah, that's the idea. So I think it's, it's also about control as well as the data. So okay. we can actually get into all of those systems to turn lights on and off, affect the temperature, all those kind of bits and pieces. So think of us like the universal remote control that you used to use via VHS and, and TV back in the day. Yep. Um, but it's really about moving beyond this concept of data being the new oil within buildings. Um, yep. It really isn't. It's about utility and how we make great people experiences within spaces. You, you mentioned data is the new oil there, whatever, yep. but you know, oil is kind of useless on its own. You've got to refine it. You've got to do something with that with that oil in order to turn it into some value, to turn it into Absolutely, yeah. And I think lots of, uh, there's a lot of people out there talking about single panes of glass and dashboards. Yeah. Widgets, pie charts, bar graphs are great, but unless you've got insight to actually do things with it, it's useless. Yeah. And there's also lots of talk in the industry at the moment about machine learning and AI. Yeah. We're very far away from being able to deliver kind of Skynet and self-optimizing buildings because we haven't got the integration piece right yet. Yeah. So getting the networks and buildings correct, getting all the systems aligned, making sure the data's in the right format, that's the first step. And then we can move into those um, later layers. So really this is about empowering FMs, giving teams insight and accessible uh, data because a lot of things at the moment are captured in silos within individual systems. It's very difficult for people to keep moving between all those systems on a daily basis to get the, the small bits of information often that they need, which is critical alarms, something's not quite performing correctly, and being able to respond to those so that ultimately people in the space sit in the Goldilocks zone of everything being just right, not too hot, not too cold, not too bright, not too dark, yeah. and they can get on with their day. What are the main questions that, you, uh, that you've had from visitors to the... Uh, to the zone here, what, what are people most curious to learn about? Yeah, so, uh, well, we've been doing this for a number of years now, and I think uh, when we originally started, it was very much about what is a smart building. People just yeah. didn't understand what that was, and they certainly didn't understand the concept of a digital workspace. Yeah. I think the interesting thing now is that we're moving much more to a position of 
people's understanding has, has really lifted. It's now really about how do we get one? And I think post-pandemic, uh, the best description I've heard of uh, spaces and the new office is needs to be a combination between a bar and a library. Um, okay. So you need that kind of social element, that kind of collaboration space, people able to come together, really work together on problems. Yeah. But then you also need um, those kind of uh, like more quieter environments to you know, take private phone calls or interact with people Indeed. on hybrid meetings. And I think uh, Leesman did some phenomenal research through the pandemic, which showed that the average office space was actually much poorer as a work environment to most people's average home setup. And so really the challenge now for building owners, operators, and people that run those spaces is how do they create that outstanding experience yeah. that gives people a reason to come into those spaces and, and work together. And I think you're, you're right. And certainly the, the time when we're in right now, three years since the beginning of the pandemic, two years, 18 months since people have really been returning to the office in earnest, there's a period of immense self-reflection from companies, from building owners, managers, as well as from individuals about what the workplace of the future looks like. So to be able to offer that smart integration, you know, to be able to use these spaces more efficiently, more effectively, more sustainably as well, let's face it, all it, it, it's the right conversation at the right time, I think. Uh, well, and I think you've touched on a really important point there. ESG is now the kind of elephant in the room. We've got 10% uh, of our commercial building stock already not meeting the targets that the government has outlined. Um, the race is on towards 2030. And I think if people are just focused on the E of ESG and just the energy part of the environmental, it's such a small slither of what we actually need to achieve. And actually it's about how do we create really high performing spaces that deliver great experience for people first and foremost, but are also you know super sustainable and can deliver on the other social and governance goals of, of ESG as well, which is a lot of how do you get this kind of stuff out and make it accessible to the right teams of people uh, that need to be able to talk to folks within their organization about those bits and yeah. pieces. Okay, so before we go, um, just a quick question for you. If you've got somebody from the, the event here today coming to you saying, look, my building, we could really do with it being a bit smarter. Oh, where do I start? What's the direction that you point them towards? Apart from chatting with you, but you know, practically, what do they need to come to the table with in order to have a, a constructive, productive conversation? Uh, so I think it really depends where they're at. So if you're um, if you've just refurbished an office and you're looking to get more out of it, there's a number of IoT solutions that you can kind of layer over the top of what you've got. Yep. Often wireless technologies gets data out very quickly, very easy to deploy. Unfortunately, battery-based, so you need to be carrying around a battery pack every two, three years. But it's really looking for those moments of change. So um, big refurbishments, opportunities to move, they're the times to really think mm, about okay. it because it's not, it, it can never just be about technology. It has to always be a very joined up thing with, um, we often want the holy trinity of FM, HR and IT involved in conversations yeah. because really if you can get all those three to the table, you can produce something really special. Digital transformation for buildings, exactly. but, but my problem with that term digital transformation is that often leads people to thinking that it's, uh, oh, it's a technology transformation. It's not, it's a business transformation Absolutely. with technology, with, with digital at its heart, but it needs, I completely agree, HR, all the rest of these parts in order to make that transformation successful. And you're saying it's the same from a building's perspective 100%. as well. Thanks to Mike there. Uh, he was speaking to us, as I mentioned, uh, in front of the smart buildings feature at the show. 
uh, in May, where Vanti brings together several different technology vendors, uh, integrates them all together, and showcases a live smart building in action right on the show floor. Uh, you know, admittedly, I, I might be slightly biased here, but it's it's a really cool area, and I would highly recommend visiting the feature at the show in 2024, uh, which don't forget will be in December next year. Look, there's lots to think about from our guests today. Uh, so, so thank you to Kevin, Darren, and Mike for joining us. You know, smart building is a term that has been thrown around for a number of years now. But from what I'm seeing, there appears to have been a genuine acceleration since the results of COVID and the pandemic. Even if we're being a little loose with the term smart at the moment, this shift is happening though. Uh, with genuinely smart infrastructure, and I'm talking here about where a human doesn't necessarily need to be part of the everyday process, there's the potential to create a more sustainable, more efficient, and as Darren rightly po pointed out, a more user-friendly environment. And what's clear is that security can and should be a major part of this process. Whether it's the access control systems monitoring occupancy and usage levels, or video feeds providing continual data and alerts to a centralized building management platform, security solutions form a vital part of the data collection process. And after all, if the environment isn't secure, then it's not gonna be smart. I'd say change is coming to the security domain, but I, I think many would agree it has already come. A solid operation that doesn't speak to other departments isn't really conducive to a smart infrastructure, and collaboration is likely to lead to greater input and more influence in the overall business. I'll leave you with those thoughts for now, but as ever, there's links to further reading in the show notes if you want to find out more about new XForm, Vanti, or this smart building topic in general. But that is all from this episode of the Security in Focus podcast. This has been a podcast brought to you by IFSEC Insider. Don't forget to follow us on all the social media platforms you're on and get yourself on our weekly security newsletters to keep up with the latest in the industry. Thanks for listening and see you next time.